goodness is forever. Your goodness is forever. Your mercy is forever, forever. Yes, Jesus, we thank you for the environment spiritually that you are creating among your people. We ask that you minister unto every soul, especially those that are coming in for the very first time. May they allow to know that this is a safe place to come and be ministered by the Lord Jesus Christ. I have been asked by our pastor to step in his place this morning. I believe I have a word from the Lord. I pray that you listen to the words that are going to be given, that you meditate on them, and that they become blessings upon your life in Jesus' name. Let us read from Exodus 20, verses 18 through 22. Exodus 20 verses 18 through 22. And the scriptures say this. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that you sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. And the Lord said unto Moses, Thus thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this opportunity to be gathered in your name. We ask that your spirit and your words go forth and minister unto every heart and soul that is here and even to those that are listening to us afar off, my Lord Jesus. I know what you have given me and I don't know for who it's for, but only you know, and that's all that matters. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. By the time we arrive to the book of Exodus, our God decides to make a grand entrance onto the people. He does this by showing them the grandeur of his power with thunderings, lightnings, noise of the trumpet, smoke coming off of mountains. But when the people saw it, they removed the far off because they were scared. I can tell you that today we are living in a society that doesn't understand that our God is love. And regardless of how he decides to show his power, he doesn't call us so that he can destroy us. He calls us because he wants to have a relationship with us. And he wants us to understand that he's in control of everything. Is there anything too hard for our Lord? I think not. So while we're in the book of Exodus, we see that he makes a grand entrance and he speaks on to Moses. But the people were fearful. So when we get to Exodus 19, verse 3, and Moses went up to God and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, thus shall thou say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel. You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice and keep my commandment, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Here in the book of Exodus, we see how 
the Lord starts to call his people a peculiar treasure to be set aside in the earth because all the earth is his. He starts to remind them how he bought them forth from the Egyptians. When I came in through these doors, I was homeless, living out of a homeless shelter. I came in through these doors crawling spiritually because I was looking for something. I tried everything under the sun, and the world had its way with me. But then the Lord allowed me to see his love and how he receives all that come to him if we let him. And here it is, I stand here today, 17 years later, telling you that there was once a time when man wanted to throw the keys away for stuff I had done. Good luck trying to find it. I have been forgiven by both man and God. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice, indeed, we're back at Exodus 19, start at verse 15. He makes sure to say, indeed, if you obey my voice, indeed, if you surely obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. We are special in the eyes of God. We are all special in the eyes of God. He's been calling us since way back when. We are no different than they are. We just have electronics and gadgets and more cars and inflation and gas prices and all that good stuff that we love to see when we wake up and go to work. But our God has been calling a peculiar people unto himself since the beginning of our fall. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. Yes, all of us. A kingdom of priests. You heard me right. No need to have credentials. When God calls you, you are a kingdom priest. You are a representative of the Almighty. You are a representative of the Almighty to a world that desperately needs to know what the love of Christ is. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord had commanded and all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Do we have that same mind frame today? As God's minister stands behind any pulpit that speaks and teaches the truth, will God's people respond back to God and say, We have heard everything that you have told us, and we will do it. That is what our God requires from us. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. But wait a minute. Why would Moses have to return words from the people unto a God that knows everything and understands all? Our sins can separate us from God. And communication. Our sins and deeds. Because we can push him away. He's a gentleman. He'll explain to you who he is. And if you choose to accept him in your life, it is the best thing you'll ever be able to do. But if you want to act like he doesn't exist, then there you go. So here it is. He's drawing near onto a people and there is a mediator between God and the people, Moses. Moses, we know you hear from God, 
tell us what he expects from us, and hopefully we can establish this relationship that we fell off of from Adam and Eve. And you can still see that today. God calls his people through these doors in hopes that we, as ministers, are mediators between man and God to establish your relationship onto him. Am I wrong? I'm correct. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak to thee and believe thee forever. And Moses told these words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their clothes. So here's one of the few things that God tells Moses. I want to get these people closer to me. I want them to be able to hear me and understand what I'm trying to tell them. Let them know that they need to sanctify themselves before they can get closer to me and their clothes. Why your clothes? Do you know that we're advertising pieces when we're out in that world? whether it's Nike or Adidas or something that I used to do when I first started buying all of my three-piece suits and boast upon the type of uh, brand that it was and so forth. And I started to realize that we like to hide behind our clothing and we like to give a smile, but deep down inside we're empty. Sometimes our clothes can be tarnished because of what we've been through in life. And we can't buy more clothes. And when people look at us, they say, wow, that individual has been through some stuff. So here it is. The Lord says, sanctify yourselves and wash your clothes. Because I'm going to do something new in you. Because I'm going to do something new in you. Verse 14 says, and when Moses went down from the mount unto the people and sanctified the people and washed their clothes. Listen to this. He had already sanctified the people and washed their clothes. It came to pass that on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings, a thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpet exceedingly loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. They heard it. Everyone heard it. The calling, he's coming, he's coming. Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the neither part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by what? A voice. Regardless of everything that was heard, God spoke with a voice. God speaks to his people through a voice. And the Lord came down onto Mount Sinai and on the top of the mount, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. There he gave Moses instruction. Why are we reading these things? And this is where I give you the title. The title of this morning's message is, He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. Father, once again, I pray and I ask that these people be enlightened as to what you're going to tell them this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to be in this sanctuary, and we know that you are in control of everything in Jesus' name. It seems that when we are on the other side of the stick, I knew that there was always a God I knew that there was always one God. I didn't need man to teach me that. But I also saw how close I can be to him without knowing him. And I honestly believed that was about as close as I can possibly get to him. 
and that is a trick from the adversary. The scriptures are here and were always used, in, even in the Old Testament, as a reference to understanding how God works with his people. And so if you wanted to know the God of Isaac, Jacob, and Isaac, Jacob, you got to excuse me, I have a newborn at the house and I'm, I'm running on fumes here, but I'm going to continue to push forward. Uh, the Lord calls me to do this and I will do if we're actually serving the God of the Old Testament, there are ways to know him, and that's through the scriptures. The scriptures are here to encourage us and to know him so that we don't have to wonder and guess and use our own imagination as to who he is or what could he be or what does he like or what does he not like or how does he deal with his people. So here we arrive out of the book of Exodus, and we're in the New Testament. We are New Testament believers, trying to understand a God that came from the Old Testament and is calling all types of nations to him, whether Jew or Gentile. So what is the plan of salvation, and how does he speak to his people today? John 9, verse 31, and these are the words from Jesus now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him will he hear. That's John 9.31. So what is this telling me? First of all, I was a sinner when I came to God. So what is my understanding of what the scripture is trying to tell me? If I want to do my own thing and I don't want to know God, I can't pray to him and rub on him like a genie and say, Lord, I, you know, I don't really want to know you or your gospel, but I, I need you to help me out. I need you to do a few things for me because I have plans for my life and I know exactly how it's supposed to be. No. He hears those that are worshipers of him. That's why we come here in the mornings. That's why we lay aside everything, regardless of how hard it feels when we walk out these doors. I'm no different than any of you. I have my issues, and we have our situations and everything. But at the end of the day, I look forward to coming to the house of the Lord and shedding all of that stuff off and praising him, not just for what he's done for you, but because of who he is. Because he is the greatest hedge of protection that we have on the face of this earth. So, if I was an individual that would keep my God in a box, and I read how he dealt with his people in the book of Exodus, and how he came and there was smoke on the mountains and stuff, I would be fearful of God visiting me if I didn't know any better. So, what do we see here? We see a God that wants his people to understand that even though he might make a grand entrance, at the end of the day, he has a voice, a distinctive sound, a righteous one. Not of evil. Not to set you up, not to trip you up. Not to bind you in a corner not hatred, there's no slandering, there's no gossiping, there's none of that. My ways are not your ways, saith the Lord. And we must be mindful of that. His ways are not our ways. Never have been, never will be. That is not the way it's supposed to. When I get to 1 Kings 19, I also see how he says, he said, go forth. Stand upon the mount before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passes by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke it in pieces. Here I am reading a story of Elijah. Elijah received an email from Jezebel. It caused him to run. He took an Uber to a cave, and he hid there. He was scared. After everything that the Lord used him for, he still ran from a message. 
He still ran from a message, regardless of how many mighty works he did. And the Lord wanted to know why he was in a cave. And he said, go forth, stand upon the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by or will pass by. And look at what the scriptures tell us. A great and strong wind rent the mountains. Sounds familiar? And break it in pieces and the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Notice how the stories sound familiar. But the scriptures are quick to let us know. Not necessarily. The Lord did tell Elijah to go wait for him at a certain place, but the scriptures are quick to let us know that the renting of the mountains was not the Lord's doing. The breaking of pieces of the rocks, they did happen before the Lord, but the Lord was not in them. Neither was he in the winds. We must never forget who the prince of the air is. We must never forget who the prince of the air is. The enemy hears the conversations that you have with your Lord. And sometimes he tries to throw a smoke screen. Notice how Elijah must have remembered what happened in the book of Exodus through the scriptures. And verse 13 tells us, and it was so when Elijah heard it, when he heard what? Elijah didn't move until he heard God's voice. Elijah did not leave the cave when there were strong winds that rent the mountains. Elijah did not leave the cave when the rocks were broken in pieces. Elijah did not leave the cave when there was wind and earthquakes, not even fire, but after he heard a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle. And when he went out and stood in the entering in of the cave, and behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? We are living in a generation where the adversary has sold us goods that are no good. That God can't speak to you with a still small voice. Just like I'm talking to you now. Yes, he can. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same. He has many ways to talk to you. But he does have a voice. There are times when he puts thoughts into my mind and I question, Lord, is this from you? And I'll receive a text. Brother, Lord wanted me to reach out to you and confirm certain things with you. Thank you, Jesus. Or he'll speak to me about something and my wife will come to me. Thank you, Jesus. Or I'll come in on Sunday mornings and hear a message and say, wow, he's been talking to me about the same thing all week. Thank you, Jesus. That's his voice. That's his voice for today's people. We must never forget what has been told to us in the New Testament. What do you mean? When many things have been told to us. We were told that the word has became or become flesh and dwelt among us. The word, the living word. God manifested himself in a body to give us the living word. This right here. This right here with the proper guidance of the Holy Ghost can save your life. This right here, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, can save your life, that you may save 
others. Others. I've been around for 17 years, but I've only taken this seriously for the last six. I can be honest and transparent. I'm not trying to make myself look like something that I'm not. I don't have time for games. I'm trying to save people. And there was something that the Lord had put in my heart one night. Me worrying about saving myself and making sure that I was ready. And, and in my dream or vision, I, I saw me standing in front of him. And I was happy and excited to be there. And he asked me, who have you brought with you? Who have you brought with you? Who have you encouraged? Who have you prayed for? Who have you given time and effort to? We're supposed to help each other, folks. We're supposed to encourage each other. That's what church really is. It's not about coming in and hearing a good song and then going back out and repeating the whole thing and getting beat up by the world and coming back crawling. No, you're supposed to take this with you. You're supposed to keep in contact with people. You're supposed to stay in communication. You're supposed to text people and make it happen. He expects that from us, all of us, whether high or low, whether with credentials or not. I would not be able to make it if it wasn't for all of you. Well, James, how can you say that? It's not a general statement. Each and every last individual that I am looking at has helped me in one way, shape, or form. Each individual in this sanctuary, whether it's an encouraging thought of how much effort people put into it when they first come in and how hungry they stay. What if I would have stayed that hungry when I first came in? When I see people that have been elevated by God, not man, in a shorter time than I have. I respect those people. Which, by the way, I have friends that speak into my life that are not licensed ministers, that are in the truth. That's all you need. Don't believe you have to stand behind a pulpit to do anything. The people, my friends, those that I grew up with from the age of 13 on, none of them will probably ever come in through these doors. But I have to reach them. I have to reach them. You know? Now, let us remind ourselves that our flesh can get in the way. I'll give you a perfect example. I remember coming in through these doors many moons ago and understanding the love of God because I felt it and I walked out and I ran into my friends. And what do we do in society when we see each other? We give each other credit. Wow, you look wonderful. You look amazing. Everything must be going well for you. You know, you look like you, you got it going on. You know, that's good. I'm glad to see that or whatever the case may be. And we take credit. We take credit for when good things are happening. Well, what about giving the credit to whom credit is due? If it wasn't for God, God is the one that gives us provision. God wakes us up in the morning. God gives us breath. God gives me an opportunity to hold on to a job. He doesn't need my money. But he wants us to be able to help each other for his kingdom on this earth, which we are husbandmen, until the day of his coming. That's in the scriptures. You know, he gives us his spirit. We're supposed to give it on to everyone else. We're supposed to build a family here until the day of his coming. We are all important. I want to be able to encourage all of you. We are all important. Regardless of how many times you've fallen. Yes, we get tired of falling. We get tired of falling on our faces and ask ourselves, when will this stop? 
It might never stop. The scriptures encourage us to get up and dust yourself off and continue to move forward. We have to encourage each other, saints. Because if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for people reaching out for me, I would have never come back. And things got bad for me quick. It only took, it only took three months of me being back out there for everything to be gone. The joy, the love, the happiness, because the world will suck it out of you. The world will suck it out of you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this. <sighs> Sanctification and doctrine, sound doctrine goes hand in hand. Let us look at Titus 2, please. Titus 2. But, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober. It doesn't just talk about using alcohol or drugs, but rather be sober-minded to see things clearly and not be under the influence of something that will distort your vision. Grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. We must run this race with patience, it tells us. We must run this race with patience. Doesn't it sound like an oxymoron? How can you run a race with patience when it's all about the first one to get there? Not in God's kingdom. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. You know, what good is it for you to run a race and trip over yourself and break a leg and continue to move forward? And when you get there, only half of you made it. He tells us to run a race with patience that we may run it carefully. Carefully, saints. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becoming holiness. Holiness standards matter. Jesus said, be ye holy for I am holy. Not just a cliche. It is not just a stamp on the back of a shirt. It's not just something that you actually post on Facebook. Be ye holy for I am holy. Not false accusers. Not given to much wine. Teachers of good things. That they may teach the young women to be sober. We are all examples. We are all examples. God calls, calls the elders, the women and the men, the elders of the church to be examples for those that are coming through the doors. I can't do my own thing and say that I'm standing for Christ Jesus and nobody sees anything. I can't fool man and God. Man knows what it is to see a fake. I can, only, I can only be myself when I'm up here. I can only be myself when I'm up here. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their husbands or own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men, likewise, exhort and be sober-minded. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. A pattern. A consistent pattern. Not just one trait. I only see one trait in so-and-so. No, a consistent good pattern. Oh, every time I see so-and-so, they're always doing something. They're always doing something for God. They're always praying for someone. They're always asking whether or not if I need something. A consistent good pattern. The scriptures encourage us to have a consistent good pattern. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity. In order for the world to know that this really works, we need to allow it to be applied into our lives, that we may be transformed. God forbid that I go by my friends and they say, oh, my Lord, that's the same old Jimmy I've known. God forbid. No, we all grow at certain paces. Do not get me wrong. We all grow in certain paces, but I can tell you this, just a little bit of Christ in your life can encourage someone to come in through these doors. 
just them seeing a little bit of Christ in your life can encourage people to come in through these doors because all my friends are lost. All my friends are lost. All of them in the world before I met Christ are lost. Today, still today, nothing has changed. And when one disappears, when one is deceased, what hurts me the most is when I ask myself, did they make it? That's the goal. Our goal is to make it into eternity, into heaven. Not to stack up riches and all this other type of stuff on the earth. If you can have it, that's fine. But God's kingdom comes first in your life. Lord Jesus, thank you. Verse 8, sound speech that cannot be condemned. When people hear you, what do they hear? Titus 2, verse 8. Titus 2, verse 8. We are supposed to have sound speech that cannot be condemned. So when people hear us, what do they hear? Do they hear words of exhortation for the church? Or do they avoid speaking to you because you have nothing good to say? In all things, speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of a contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not plodding, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. To adorn something is to put it on, to show it off, to boast about it, to adorn. I need to adorn this doctrine. It needs to be on me. Whether you see it, you smell it, you hear it, it needs to be on me. It has to be adorned. Piece of clothing, you must keep it on. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity. In all things, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men. There is nobody on the face of this earth that will be able to stand in front of God and say they never knew he existed. No one. Zero. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live Soberly. So how do you live soberly? By denying ungodliness and worldly lust. Righteously and godly in this present world. We're in this present world. We are in this present world. This applies to us just as much as it did to them. Oh, Lord Jesus. Looking. Oh, yes. Thank you very much. Verse 13 looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord. Verse 14, haven't we heard this before? Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from some iniquities? No, all of them. That he might redeem us from all of them. There is nothing too hard. And purify unto himself a peculiar people. Didn't we read that in the book of Exodus? Didn't we read that in the book of Exodus? And yet we're reminded of it again. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So Jesus came to fulfill that which was said in the book of Exodus. That he might redeem us from all iniquity. Baptism in Jesus' name for the remissions of sins. Scriptures also tell us that if you're not baptized, you're damned. And purify unto himself a peculiar people. People, He purifies us. The closer we get to him, he purifies us. 
the closer we get to him, he purifies us. Zealous of good works. Speak these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Yes, if I can only express to you what I feel while I'm up here, I will keep those things with me and take them home. 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter 2, let's go to verse 3, please. And this is what it tells us, 1 Peter 2, verse 3. It says, if so be ye that have tasted that the Lord is gracious, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Aren't you glad for Jesus? Jesus is the mediator between us and God. Jesus is the mediator. No man can come to the Father unless they come through me. I am the door. I'm the true vine. So we must look at Jesus' teachings. What does Jesus teach his people? I got to tell you, when I look at the teachings of Jesus, I need a lot of water. Because some of them are hard to swallow. But they're for my good. That I may become what he expects me to be. It's not an easy road. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you it's an easy road. But we must crucify ourselves daily. Because we are becoming or have become new creatures in Christ Jesus. And all things are possible with God. Yes, Lord. Verse 5, ye also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house. You also, me, really, okay. A holy priesthood, here we go again, holy priesthood, to offer up what kind of sacrifices? Not carnal, not carnal, spiritual sacrifices. Our God expects spiritual sacrifices, spiritual Spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God by Christ Jesus. Wherefore, it is also contained in the scriptures. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, that he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, I believe Jesus is precious. But unto them which be disobedient. The stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word. Even to them that stumble at the preaching. You're at a crossroad. You're at a fork. Are you going to accept God's or Jesus' preachings or teachings and allow it to make something of you? Or are you going to reject him and cause him to be a stumbling block? Because you can't get to eternity without Jesus. You're going to always trip yourself up if you don't accept Jesus. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remissions of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You must be baptized in Jesus' name for the remissions of your sins. All of this is tied together. The Old Testament has been showing it to us from the beginning. There is nothing new under the sun. Verse 9, here it is. We're reminded again. Verse 9, but you are a chosen generation. Yes, we're separated from the world. When God calls you, we're separated. A royal priesthood, once again. We're called a royal priesthood. We must never forget what we are in the eyes of God. We are a royal priesthood. We could be a royal priesthood. We should act like a royal priesthood. A holy nation, a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I have never forgotten what he has pulled me out of. I have never forgotten what he has pulled me out of. I should have been dead by age 19. 
I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York in the 70s. A lot of racial tension. When I landed in Connecticut, I landed in Connecticut in 1991, gangs were high, violence was high. Then I was dropped dead middle of it. And I was lost. I was lost. I was lost. I don't have two or three hours or to be able to read the book, but I was a very lost individual. And I can tell you that I was sitting on a recliner at home. And uh, this is back when I used to watch regular TV. I'm flicking through the channels and a, um, an episode of lockup uh, passed by and I felt, I felt like a, a surge of something come through my body and the hairs on my hands, they stood up and I found myself praying. I'm like, you know, Lord, why am I so fearful of seeing a, a, a vision or an image of uh, someone being in prison? And I heard God tell me clearly Satan desires to see you locked up for life. Not because you're intending to do something, but he can put stuff in your life to cause you to be angry, bitterful, with vengeance. End up having a fight with someone. They end up dying by mistake. You being in a car accident that you didn't mean to have. And I made a vow right then and there. <sighs> Lord, if you make something of me, I will win people to you. That was my prayer. Mine. And I can tell you that he has kept me. I wake up and I do like who I am today because I'm not who I was before. And I thank him for the opportunity to be part of a body that's much greater than anything that I can possibly ever do on my own. And I'm glad that we have the same spirit. You know, I say this every now and then, but I have to reiterate this. When, when we come up here to usher everybody into the presence of God, we don't talk among each other to make sure that everything coincides with each other. The Spirit of God does that. The Spirit of God does that. We don't, oh, you know, what are you going to be talking today? Oh, well, I thought, of, no, it doesn't, it's never worked that way. God orchestrates this. And if you have mind thoughts that are telling you that you'll never be forgiven or that you've done too much to be cleaned, that's a lie from the pit of hell. That's a lie from the pit of hell. If you look at the stories that are in the Bible, them people were much worse off than we were. And he forgave them all. Chose 12 of them to bring us the gospel we have today. I thank the Lord for being in your presence today, saints. And I want to tell you this. More times than often, there will be times that the Lord will ask you to do something that will not give back the correct response. Many times the Lord has sent his people onto others to give a word, and they have been denied. And what do we do in today's world? Well, then I guess the Lord didn't really send me. Yes, he did send you. One plants, one waters. God gives the increase. When I look back into my life and I see how many people prayed for me. I see how many people prayed for me and I see how many people gave me an encouraging word. And I see how many people told me, Jimmy, you got to change your life because you're heading in the wrong direction. And we love you and, you know, we want things to go well for me. All of those people and all those words were seeds. It wasn't just one person that made it happen. And so one encouraging word to someone is your part in the kingdom of God. 
You know, we often think that we have to have a, a preaching lined up when we speak to someone because we have to give them the whole gospel or else they won't get it. Well, that's not the way to go about it. You see, God's timing is not our timing, and he's in control of everything. And he sees things much greater and grander than we can possibly imagine. And so I stand here to tell you that you might think you're insignificant in God's kingdom, but you're not. You are not insignificant. You might not know what God has you to be or wants you to be, but that doesn't mean that you don't have a part or role, even if it's just for a season, because things change. I don't know for how long I'm going to be up here. He might ask me to do something else. I, I believe he has a few other things that he wants me to do. Then again, I don't know. But I don't want to keep him in a box, and I don't want to live off of yesterday's stale bread. I don't want to live off of yesterday and say, well, this is the way that he's been dealing with me, and this is what he's been having me do, so I'm going to stay here. And then the Lord has to push me. We have enough people in God's kingdom to become what we're supposed to be. We have enough people in God's kingdom to be what we're supposed to be. Whether it's your first time here, we welcome you with open arms. And we pray that you feel the love of God enough to be able to come back and praise him regardless of what you go through throughout life. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be in the presence of your people. And I ask that your spirit will manifest itself like it has been since this morning. Father, only you can create such a still, small voice within our midst. My Lord Jesus, may you come down and minister to everyone's need, my Lord Jesus. Forgive us of any trespasses, my Lord, that we might have trespassed against anyone as we forgive those that have trespassed against us, my Lord Jesus. Forgive our iniquities one more time, my Lord Jesus. Heal us from our infirmities, my Lord Jesus, whether they be physically, spiritually, or mentally, my Lord Jesus. Give us a heart of forgiveness. Allow us to understand what that truly means, my Lord Jesus. Create in your people an atmosphere like we have never seen before, my Lord Jesus. Bind us closer like we have never been before, my Lord Jesus. Make us into the strongest cord that we can possibly be, that we may reach those that are lost out there in the world. In Jesus' name, let us stand, please. And as we go into uh, a last song this morning, just know that we serve a God of fresh starts and fresh beginnings. And that's all he requires from us because he knows how fragile we are. He doesn't expect us to be perfect. He knows we're not perfect. We're perfect in him. You got to stick closer to him. Let us praise him before we leave in Jesus' name.